0: we are downtown we are historic we are family we are scriptural we are first baptist church
1: good morning morning. welcome to worship today as we gather to exalt the name of jesus christ as we do that we begin with scripture and today i bring you galatians 1 as Paul is so good in his salutations. I bring you the salutation to the church at Galatia. May it speak to you this morning and get your heart and mind lifted heavenward. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen? Amen. Amen. That is a good word for us even today. So as we begin worship, let's get our voices ready to to praise this morning. Hymn number four, To God Be the Glory. Stand together. Great things he has done indeed, and he's doing them still today. Would you welcome those around you to worship?
2: Good morning, church family. Welcome to First Baptist Church. Welcome to worship. It's a privilege for me to get to do that this morning. Welcome home. We want you to feel not only at home, but more importantly, we want you to know we've prayed for you to feel the presence of God in your heart and in this place today. If you're a guest, I want to say a special word of welcome to you. We've prayed for you. We've prayed that you would feel the nearness and the closeness of the Holy Spirit of God. That it's no accident that you're here. That God has drawn you here to hear this message, to be in this place, to feel His presence in these moments. And so, if you would do us the honor, uh, in the pew rack in front of you, there's a card that would uh, we would receive your name and information about you. And if you came with a friend or a family, just share that with us. We want to begin a, fin- a friendship with you today, just to. Uh, let you know about what God's doing in the hearts and lives of the people of this church and what he's doing in the city through the ministries and programs of this church. God is alive and at work, and I'll have a little more to say about that in just a second. And so we'll start that friendship and let you know what God is doing here. At the, toward the end of the service, an offering plate will come by, and if you would drop that in the plate, that would be your gift to us. We would just count it a privilege to know you were here today. From our reverse passage... He made you alive, in him you have been made complete. Paul writes in Philippians, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, have you thought about or wondered what work God desires to do in your heart and life this morning, in this hour? Is there an anticipation in your soul is there a longing for God's name and glory to be praised? Is there a passion for his good pleasure to be the top priority of your heart and in the life of this church? Will God's work bring joy, encouragement, salvation, peace, repentance, forgiveness? Have you thought about those things? Have you asked God to bring those things today? Make no mistake, it will be God and only God who can accomplish these things, the supernatural, the eternal. And he has promised this work will come and continue as we pray, listen, praise, and obey the Holy Spirit. Church, I have good news. God is alive and he is at work this morning. Amen? Welcome to worship. May God be exalted in this hour. Let's pray and ask him to do that. So, Father, we come asking for help, asking for hope. For each of us knows that in our hearts there is, there is sin, there is failure, there is rebellion. There is a longing to be all that you've called and desired us to be. And scripture says we've fallen short. So, Father, help us, forgive us, encourage us, convict us. We pray, God, for these moments that they would matter for eternity, that you would bring, as you've promised, power and courage, conviction. You would bring life and joy into the heart of each person in this room and who watches by way of television. Father, you've promised that. And so we turn to you, we praise you, we glorify you, that you would be pleased with this hour, with us as your servants, as your church. So fill this place, fill our hearts, that it would overflow into a city and into a world that so desperately needs to know who you are and how you love. So we pray for these moments and ask you to bless them for your glory and our good. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: I love the word of God, amen. I love that Paul, in his assignment to the churches, never strayed from his message. As you look at Colossians that we've been reading through and how he's addressing some of the needs that that that, that church has, I love that this Romans passage that I'm about to read also speaks to to the very heart of who who Paul called him to be and, and who we are all in Christ. And it's the same message. No matter what church is receiving it, the message is the same. So follow along as I read from Romans, the 6th chapter, verse 8 through 11. It says this, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What a great testimony we have through the redemption of our sins through Jesus. Amen? Amen. Oh, friends, Hymn 425 is one of my 600 favorite hymns. I love this hymn. He keeps me singing. Let's stand and sing it like it's your favorite.
0: Come on down. Come meet me right over here. So glad you're here. And I want to welcome too those watching on TV and online this morning. Thank you for being a part of our worship. We're glad to have you. And thank you all for being here. Come on down.
3: We're going
0: to sit right here. Yeah, got see. All right, I've got a couple of questions for you this morning. And like we do often, when I ask you a question, I just, I just want you to, to, to you can just shout it out. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. You can just kind of tell me what you're thinking. In fact, we're going to, we're going to try to see how aware all of us this morning are, okay? So, so help me kind of think through these things and let, let's be aware. And in some level, this is kind of us thanking our parents, right? So let's, let's think through this. Tell me all of the, what are all of the things that your parents buy for you? Do you know what? apples that's a good one bananas. but bananas oh food water. food water toys clothes what what else a what? House. something to sleep in a bed a bed a, bed. a house candy a house no. what what else what else do they a toy house a toy house shoes, shoes thank goodness pets stuffed animals yeah go ahead clothes, clothes yes they take good care yeah well, well. a window a window yes yeah, they pay for every window in our home don't they <laughs> every one yeah books books that's right they help pay for our education yeah that that's wonderful that's right yeah one more who oh, yeah. are they pay yeah help pay for school and help pay for college and all kinds of things don't they our parents do a lot for us don't they Yes. Yeah, they do. Our parents do a lot for us. It's absolutely amazing all that they do. And it's amazing how much they sacrifice for us, how much they give for us. Now what's interesting is, what, when do you become an adult? Is there an age you become an adult? Yes. 18 or 19? 24? Wh- when do you become an adult? 50. 50? 50 yeah. 27? 20, 18, we've got all kind of answers here, don't we? All right, let me give you, I think, I think if we were going to set an age, a lot of people would say either 18 or maybe 21 or maybe 24, I don't know. I think probably 50 is a little old to become an adult, but we'll see. So the way this, the way this works often is right when you become 18 or maybe a little bit older, then you have to start taking care of yourself, don't you? Then you have to start buying your own clothes and your own shoes and your own windows and all those kinds of things. Yeah, then you have to pay for your kids, don't you? That's right. Now I say that because I want you to, I want you to be aware of something. And that's kind of true, right, when you turn 18 or you get a little bit older and you move out and then you have to start taking care of yourself. That's only partially true. This is what I mean. Your, your Lord and your God will always take care of you. And just like your parents sacrifice for you, your God is doing the very same thing and sacrificing you. And will always, even when you turn 18 or 21 or 50, God is always going to take care of you. And I want you to listen carefully in the sermon today. In fact, there's, there's something that we need that only God can provide. In fact, it seems like it costs way too much for any of us to pay for. But God says He takes care of it for us. And so I want you to listen carefully to what that is in the sermon today, and maybe take notes over what that is, okay? So listen carefully to that, and we're gonna pray to our God who tends to every single need that we have. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our parents and those that care for us. Lord, we thank you for our families. We thank you for the sacrifices that they've made for us. And even still, Lord, we praise your name for your sacrifice is the greatest. And we thank you for who you are and what you've done for each and every one of us. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you all.
1: I love Jesus. One of the ways I show my love for Jesus is I come every week to gather in, in corporate worship. You do the same. We do that not just out of obedience, we do that just because we love him. And we wanna be with people who love him and and show that by their, by their sacrifice of time and giving and, and leaning in to learn from the spirit. So as we sing this song today, my Jesus, I love thee, Let direct your heart, just make sure it's just you and the Lord that, that you sing this to. And we're all individually, corporately gonna, gonna raise this prayer to him as we prepare to hear from the word today. Aren't you glad that he loves you, too? Stand together, let's sing. Please remain standing as we prepare to read from the word.
0: Amen. You'll want to find your listening sheet. It's in your bulletin and looks like this. We are going to read aloud Colossians 2, 8 through 15. Let me get my things together here. This then is the text for today. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. May God bless the reading of his word. I'm sure you know this, but if you owe money, they will come looking for you. It doesn't matter who they are, if you owe them money, they will come looking for you. And that's especially true if you're talking about the IRS. You know, my previous church, we we had a situation where the IRS said, we owed them some money, and we said, no, we do not. In fact, we sent you a check, and here's our proof. And you know what the IRS told us? They said, we won't look at your proof until you send us a check. And we said, we sent you a check, here's our proof. And they said, we won't look at your proof until you send us a check. And in fact, every time that they did so, they sent another letter with it saying they were ready to seize our church property over a couple of thousand dollars. Yeah, we didn't even owe them anything, though they thought they did, thought we did. They hunted us down, threatening to seize our property. Now, eventually, this is what happened. We said, fine, we'll send you another check. We send another check, and they go, oh, you don't owe this, and they send it back to us. (laughs) That's the way the IRS works. But I will tell you, you know, if you do owe... They're coming, and they will come seize your property. You know, that's how this usually works. And same thing, whether you're dealing with credit card debt or student loan debt or bank debt. You're going to pay. In fact, you're going to pay with interest. You're going to pay more than what you borrowed for the privilege of borrowing that money. You know, there comes a point when we realize that we have borrowed too much. And we are being hunted down for that which we owe. And you know, that's exactly where we find ourselves in this world. But there comes a point in every person's life where we recognize that we can never pay what we owe. In fact, the debt has become insurmountable. Not financially, though some of us have found that financially as well. Not financially, but spiritually spiritually, the debt has become overwhelming. There comes this point in our life where we say, I can't do this anymore. The anxiety and the hopelessness and the pain of all of these decisions, from all of them that have piled up in my life, are crushing me. And the debt has become too much. You know, the way Scripture describes it in our text in Colossians this week describes it, is that every time you sin, it's like you're setting down a credit card knowing you have nothing left in the bank. Or maybe the better picture is something like this. Maybe the closer picture is every time you make the decision to sin, it's like you're writing out an I.O.U. to God and you just hand Him another I.O.U. And you know what? You can't even repay the one I.O.U. you're handing God when there's, there's piles of them next to you. This IOU mountain to God is just growing daily. So much so that it's about to collapse in on us. And here we go again handing God another IOU unable to pay. Every decision to disobey the Lord, every every moment of inaction, every sin of omission is another debt that you will have to answer for. It's another loan that you have taken out that you will have to pay for. And all of this just empties your soul. It rips you away from God and terrorizes your life. And the larger that mountain of IOUs grows, the, the larger it looms over your life into destruction. And at some point we look up and we say, I, c- I can't do this anymore. I can't handle the weight of the sin anymore. In fact, that, that, that debt of sin brings all kinds of unwanted and hostile attacks our way. Forget It brings in all all of these other new, unworthy, unwanted attacks from the world and attacks from the evil one. The the sin rips your life apart faster than any debt collector could. If you think the IRS has remarkable reach Wait until your spiritual debt comes due. You are already out of options. There's nothing left for you to pay or for you to give. You know, when, when the IRS is, is collecting their money, as they, they showed us, you know, they'll, they'll take what they can get. Take the cash or they'll seize your property. Or in fact, if they think you're trying to weasel out of something, they'll even put you into jail and you'll, you'll pay with your time. They're going to get, get paid if you, you owe them. And, you know, this is where Jesus Christ comes into the equation. Now, not to pay your taxes. I mean, he, he told us to pay our taxes, right? But, but Jesus comes into play with, with the greater issue, the bigger problem, the more significant debt, that mountain of IOUs that is collapsing in on top of you. Jesus has come. To pay that debt. In fact, I want us to read, look with me at Colossians 2, verse 14 again. Let me read it for you. So this Christ, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he's taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Every single one of those IOUs nailed up into the cross as payment for that which we owe. Jesus has taken that crippling debt and that sin and paid it in full. And this is an important distinction for us here. Jesus Christ paid it in full. Because there's all kinds of other scams and schemes in this world. The kind of pay-as-you-go kinds of things. These plans and these uh, so-called opportunities that, that takes the debt you owe. And it moves it out to the next quarter. Or moves it out to the next year. And it compiles at some kind of later date. And we'll just take care of it then. We'll take care of it at a different time. And you know, that kind of thing relieves the stress of the moment. Suspending payment to some time in the future. And so the hope for that is we can ignore it. Right, so I I can ignore this for the next couple of months. I can can ignore this for the next couple of years. But But the way all of that works is it will come due. And you will have to pay. See, Jesus is telling you, I'm not pushing this off to a later date. This is not some, some kind of thing that you're going to have to take care of in the future. I have paid it in full today. That was the work of the cross. This is tended to and taken care of right now and forever. You are relieved of the guilt of sin completely. Every penny so that you no longer owe anything. But There's another issue we have here. And one of the struggles that we face is, we see, for some fleshly reason, we have this discontent about it. Maybe it's because of the culture that we have been brought up in. But, but in our minds, we think we have... There, there's some sense of pride in me saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bear some of this. I'm gonna take care of some of these IOUs. Where we sort of look up to God and say, well, you know, I can't take care of this mountain of IOUs I have standing next to me. But let me, let me take care of a couple of these. But Jesus relieves us of all of it. The whole process. He pays every penny of every debt that you owe. Because you cannot on your own. Though you, you think in some kind of selfish pride, well, I can take care of a couple of these IOUs. You can't. You, you're not capable of bearing any of this debt, the burden of sin. Christ says, I have you. I've redeemed you and I am saving you. You see, there's no amount of settlement that you can make that that will ever impact this in any way. It is through the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we are forgiven and Him alone. But you know, it's interesting, uh, as we read through our text this week in Colossians 2 verse 8, we see the, the illusion and the recognition of false teachers Steering people away from Jesus Christ. Now, there there was a number of different ways that they were doing this and some of those we'll get into next week. But one of the ways that they were doing this is in so many words, they were saying Christ did not completely cover the debt of your sin. Christ mostly covered it. But there's still room for you to come and offer ritual or personal (laughs) sacrifice. As if the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was not enough. But we are reminded in the text of today, for today, the crucifixion was complete and total. Complete and total for you. That your sin debt was paid in full at the cross of Jesus Christ. And to believe anything else is unchristian. To believe anything else goes against what all of Scripture teaches. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise and steer you away from the cross. Let's look at Colossians 2 verse 8. Let me read that for us. See to it, no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the traditions of men, according to elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Jesus Christ. We come come up with all kinds of human solutions for spiritual and eternal problems. Our human solutions will never function. They'll never be effective in the spiritual and the eternal. For the spiritual and the eternal, it is God alone who saves and makes us right with Him. You see, part of their empty deception was though the cross of Christ was good, there was more to salvation than that. Don't let anyone tell you this. And steer you away from the Christ. Look with me now at at verse 12. So continue. So that we come to the cross and Jesus Christ crucified, our sin there with him. In fact, even us ourselves crucified with him. Then we get to verse 12. Then we go to the burial. And we are buried with him in baptism. The picture of baptism of you being buried with Jesus Christ when he was buried. And then comes the hope of glory. That you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, you are now raised up with God. You are made true and right and holy because He is good. Then you keep down, keep working with me down, and you get to verse thirteen. You were dead in your transgressions. That was the cost of your sin, the uncircumcision of your flesh. And he made you alive together with him, forgiving all of our transgressions. You see, this is the value of the cross. The the value of the work of the cross is that it brings you complete and total forgiveness. It makes you complete before the Lord, righteous and holy by the blood of the Lamb. It paid every penny of your sinfulness. This wasn't some fraudulent consolidation of debt that still leaves you with this enormous payment plan at the end. Jesus Christ was the complete payment for everything that you owe. And you know, that makes today's work particularly emotional. That today's work, as we, we, we look at this table that's in front of us, and we're going we'll to partake of it in here in a little while. We look at this table and there are times, there there are moments as we come to it when we are filled with great sadness. There comes times where, 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 with our mixed emotions, we're we're filled with great joy. You see, so often we, we take the Lord's Supper in this somber way, as if it's a funeral. Everything about it is dark. The Supper very clearly remembers the death of a man who didn't deserve to die. What we are remembering here is an innocent man being executed. You know, even Pilate, when he was working through uh, the the Passion, Pilate believed Jesus was innocent and still sent Jesus to the cross at the voice of the angry mob. Jesus was suffered and beaten and died for this mountain of sin debt. For this mountain of IOUs that we can't get out from under anymore. It was our sin that held him there on the cross. Look with me. Let's read verse 14 again. Colossians 2 verse 14. Hear it in this way. Cancelled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he's taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross Forever, we are freed of guilt and healed. You see, with with that being the case, how can this meal be anything other than a funeral? I mean, should should we be mourning when we take of the Lord's Supper? You know, it's interesting, when I was studying for the area fellowship videos, last week we, we started our fall area fellowships, and we did the first video on the Lord's Supper. And as I was studying for the Lord's Supper, one of the things that, that struck me and was, was brought to my attention, that there were some in the early church, some churches like, uh, like ours, not long after Jesus Christ, where they would take uh, of the meal. And as, instead of taking it together like this when, when they were gathered, they would take the meal and they would, they would go out to the catacombs or they would go out to the cemetery. And they would take the Lord's Supper together where the dead were buried. It'd be like us, get, getting up right now, and, and we'd finish our worship, and we'd go to the cemetery, and we would, we would have our meal out there. But it's not, it's not about what you would think. It's not because they were, they were having a funeral service for Jesus Christ. In fact, it was just the opposite. They, they weren't having a funeral. They, they, were, they were having a celebration filled with joy. They went to the, the cemeteries to celebrate the resurrection. That Jesus wasn't just held on the cross forevermore, but in fact, he was brought down and buried and raised from the dead in his resurrection. And we can celebrate with him in that resurrection, raised up to walk in newness of life. You see, in those moments where Jesus was crucified and buried, that's where he defeated death and came victorious when everyone else thought he was surrendering. And we think back over that passion scene that we're celebrating together. When Jesus comes off the cross and is taken to be buried, everyone thought it was over. Everyone thought that was the end. Pilate, Herod, the disciples, Joseph of Arimathea, they all thought that was that was it at that point it just became about the burial you know if that was the end of the story our meal would be a solemn meal of regret but instead it now stands as a remembrance of the decisive battle Christ won ending sin's reign of terror And, you know, when we come to the the supper, we are grieved. We're grieved at our own sin and the weight that it has just brought over our lives. We're grieved that the pain that we have to face in that. We're we're grieved that an innocent man had to die for that very thing. But when we walk out, we are worshiping a, a risen Savior, one that has saved us and made us whole made us complete. So we don't eat and drink as mourners, but we celebrate in joy that we are liberated from oppression. Sin no longer reigns over us because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that as we come to the supper, we'd be struck by your grandness, the weight of the moment, and the joy of the resurrection. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. Deacons, if you would begin to prepare the elements for us, we will come to the table And as we come to the table, we are reminded every month of the call of Scripture in 1 Corinthians. That when we take of this, we're not taking it in an unworthy manner, but we're to examine ourselves. Recognize those IOUs that we have written to our Lord and say, Father, forgive me. And so when we we take of this, we're recognizing our own brokenness and limited nature in the face of our God, and we say, Father, forgive us. So we're going to have a, a moment now of confession where we'll, we'll pray silently together. and you, you pray silently for the need of confession in your own life, and then, then I'll pray over all of us, and then we will serve the elements. Let's pray. Father, we have a debt that we cannot pay. Moments where sin and temptation got the best of us. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, that we would recognize in this moment. complete and total value of the cross, what you endured and what you sacrificed for our sake in that way. It's in the name of our Savior that we pray. Amen. Deacons, come and serve the bread. As we come to the bread, I want to read together Luke's account of the Last Supper. And as we get to Luke's account, um, be careful, we'll we'll hear a little bit about the meal before the meal, um, but then we'll work down through to the bread. Now when the hour had come, Jesus reclined at the table with them, The, the apostles were with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus knew what was coming. And for I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he, he took a cup and he gave thanks. He said, you know, take this and share it among yourselves. For I, I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body. It's been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As the deacons begin to prepare the cup, don't miss this moment of Jesus warning and sharing with his disciples that he must suffer, foreshadowing his own death and what was to come. But that wasn't going to be the end. The pain of the denials, the pain of the suffering, the blood of the cross was just on the way to the resurrection. Victory was coming soon. Deacons, come and serve the cup. In the same way, he took the cup, and after they had eaten, he said this, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Let's pray together. Lord, we are eternally grateful for the sacrifice and for the opportunity to share it together. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live in the power of the crucifixion, the authority of the resurrection. May we be yours. Lord, thank you for all that you've done and continue to do for each one of us. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We're going to have our our time of response now. The same thing like we do every week where we invite you to respond to the Lord in obedience. There's some ways in the bottom of your listening sheet. Maybe one of those is is how you need to respond this morning. Maybe you need to come down and, and pray. The altar is open. Brian and I are here. We'd be happy to to pray with you or talk with you about accepting Christ or being a part of this body. This is the time that that we respond and we give our lives to the Lord. So we're also going to sing. We're going to give. We're going to do that with joy and with hope. And so let's, let's do that well together. If you need to remain seated, please do. The rest of us, let's stand and let's respond to our Lord.
1: You are giving.
4: Good morning, church family. One of the ways that our church uses its resources is by being a church for people who have not married and for people who find themselves now in a season without marriage after having lived in marriage for some time. We often refer to such circumstances as being single. Sometimes that phrase seems appropriate. Sometimes it seems like an awkward, misfit label, frankly. Um, But until we change it up, Uh, We still call our initiative the FBCSA Single Adults Ministry. Some of our Single Adults Ministry friends are standing with me up here today. Here are three things that you could perhaps think about regarding the Single Adults Ministry. It's, first of all, a ministry of friendship in which we help one another learn about and build strong alliances of mutual respect, care, compassion, and safety rooted in love, It's not only a ministry of friendship, but it's a ministry of fellowship, in which we eat meals with one another, practice hospitality, and care for one another in times of need. It's also a ministry of frank conversation, in which we try to shed cliched ways of talking about life and God, encouraging one another to grow in our trust of each other so that we can say what we really mean, we can disagree with each other and self reveal to each other in a supportive space. Now, here are some of the ways that we schedule time together regularly. First of all, single adults Sunday school. This is our time to gather with friends around the Bible at 9:30 every Sunday morning and learn to become apprentices of Jesus led by some of the best teachers in this whole church. We've got groups ranging from 20-something to 70-something and beyond. Um, Check FBCSA.org. Also, uh, Midweek in the City. This is our weekly Wednesday gathering at 7 p.m. at Wolfson House. We've all got questions about living in this big old universe. Midweek in the City provides a safe place to ask them. The best thing about the conversations that that happens uh, is when we ask those questions and conversations get started. Each week we gather around tables to eat together and talk about fear, hope, pain, spirituality, suffering, joy, the future, and much more. And We invite you to to join us there. And also uh, another opportunity that we find to gather is our annual Renew Retreat. This is our annual November time to get away. It's one of the most unstructured times we have. We meet together for about four sessions, four teaching sessions, and then we also build in a whole lot of time for quiet, for talking with friends, for playing, uh, for napping, whatever. Um, This year, the theme is unburdening your life because you've carried too much for too long. That's true. it's November 15 through 17, an all-inclusive fee of $150. Register and pay at fbcsa.org slash retreat. Registration deadline is November 10, void where prohibited, etc. Uh, we want you there. We want you there, single adults. We do. Just as much as a strong church means striving for strong marriages, a strong church also means striving for strong singlehood. Think about that. It's a special and Bible-honored way of living as evidenced by a number of the prophets and also by Paul and Mary and Martha and their friend Jesus as well. Just like marriage, singlehood presents its own challenges. That's why the FBCSA Single Adults Ministry is building a life with one another on friendship, fellowship, and frank conversation. If you are in a time of unmarriedness, you have a place here. Your presence will make this group that much better. Thanks, everybody.
0: I can tell you Brian has done an amazing job with our single adults. That is a vibrant ministry and a good uh, work of this church. So I hope you can be a part of that in any number of ways. Let me call your attention to a couple of things. One, we, we began last week. If you remember our tradition here, our annual tradition is in the month of October. We, we commit together. We hold one another accountable. And these are some of the ways that we do this. As we talk about as a church, we're gonna commit together to do these things as obedience unto the Lord. So every year we work through these together and you can um, turn these in to us at Ask Me or you can put them in the offering plate all month long. Or what may be more convenient for you, it's certainly more convenient for us. If you look on the back, there's a website, there's a link there if you would go to that and fill out your commitment card online. Um, We would love to know and see your commitment that we are in this together and we're going to hold one another accountable that way. A couple other things that you need to know. Today we have our annual church picnic. woo Aaron may be bringing a ukulele. Is that true? There, there are rumors of a ukulele. So uh, you may want to come and, and hear that. I think it will be good. Activities begin at 3. The meal starts at 4.30. We have fajitas this year. You do need a ticket for the meal. Uh, Some of those are still available in Unity Hall. You can also get those online. Um, But we're going to have a fun time this evening. Come and and share that time with us. Two things next week you need to know. Immediately after the the morning worship next week, the 11 o'clock worship, we're going to have a senior adult appreciation luncheon in in 4th Street Crossing. So we will need a bit of a time to turn that room over from the worship setting into the lunch. Um, But we will have lunch following um, worship over there. Please come and and share in that time. One more. That evening, next Sunday evening at 6 p.m., we're going to have our inaugural Missions Celebration Night. Where we're going to look back at the last year and all of the good things that we have done together, the places that we have been, and celebrate together. Now, this is one of the things you asked me for when I came. So I hope you'll come, and I hope you'll share that with us. Now, you see these beautiful flowers in front of me? They are given to the glory of God. And the 100th birthday of Alton Miller by the Together class. So, yeah, we are grateful for Alton. Let, Let the Millers know that you love them. Let Alton know that you love them. And we are grateful. Amen.
1: We're dismissed to go do the good work the Lord has called us to do and to go to the picnic. So here we go. Stand up together. Take the name of Jesus with you. God bless you.